This is the Impunity Observer podcast. Fergus Hodgson with you. And we are exploring the geopolitics of Latin America, particularly how they relate to Anglo or North America. And we are going to address a country which perhaps doesn't get the media coverage it merits. This is Bolivia. We've got Mauricio Rios Garcia. He's based in Cochabamba near Santa Cruz in Bolivia. And he's the chief executive of Crusoe Research. That's CrusoeResearch.com. You can also find him on Twitter and other platforms. He is a macroeconomic analyst and known for shooting from the hip, being more frank or candid, which I appreciate so much. Now, chatting here beforehand, before recording, I was trying to tease out where, let's say, Bolivia is doing well. What are the bright shoots? And it seems that there's almost like a weird blessing in disguise that being a narco paradise has, has its perks. So what do you mean when you say Bolivia is a narco paradise? And is this actually helping the economy? I hear that Panama and Miami benefited tremendously from narco activities. Is this actually doing any good to Bolivia? And how did Bolivia become such a haven for narco activity? Hi, Fergus. Glad to be here. Well, the thing is that we in Bolivia produce cocaine freely, 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 freely. And one of the main things uh, I can um, say to you uh, about this is that we are producing so much cocaine that we don't have guerrilla here like in, in Colombia, maybe. They don't need, cartels don't need to start guerrillas because they don't have anyone to fight. So they can produce cocaine freely for the cartels and that's it. And maybe, I didn't say this to you uh, before, but our financial system uh, doesn't have agreements with the international international uh, regulations to say this is uh, good money, this is bad money. And international banks see Bolivia as a big risk just because of that. We produce cocaine freely and we don't have uh, any agreements uh, to make us... Uh, to make us a, a, a secure country to produce anything else. It's almost like Bolivia's niche or speciality has become not only being black market domestically, but being black market internationally. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. I'm not sure about it. I've been thinking about this and I can say not 100%, but I can say we are laundering money from countries like maybe Iran, Venezuela, Cuba, China, maybe even Russia, and that's not good, of course. We can be sure about this if, uh, if I am right or not. If Bolivia start to reach agreements with uh, the OCDE, maybe that's it wouldn't be uh, to me uh, the greatest thing, but it would be uh, put things in, in place to know if Bolivia is really laundering money or not, if it, uh, and if it is. Uh, laundering money paradise uh, globally speaking yeah one of the challenges here is that on the one hand you and i we do believe in free market capitalism laissez-faire but we also want stability the rule of law regime certainty a healthy environment for investment for to plan for the future stable currency all these things and in bolivia's case those two things just don't seem to go together absolutely not we don't have rule of law absolutely not we have uh, former President Janine Añez in, in jail for about one year and a half, 
and and she didn't do anything uh, strictly speaking to affect that that rule of law and she's in jail right now illegally so we've got a political prisoner yes exactly one of many one of many of of hundreds we have uh, many um, people uh, abroad because uh, movimiento socialismo uh, was to was um, was trying to get them in jail too as one example yeah and so but so you've got this scenario and looking forward to chatting with you because i just don't understand bolivia or what the country does because of course it was historically a great mining uh location and also in more recent years natural gas has been big and now it seems like those things have somewhat gone by the wayside what is going on is there still mining is this still natural gas exploitation that's our whole history. Throughout our, our history in Bolivia, we've been leaving thanks to uh, natural resources. Now we've been leaving uh, thanks to uh, natural gas exports to Brazil and Argentina. But now, having high prices uh, again, we are not benefiting in any way. The thing is that after the nationalization uh, of Evo Morales, uh, Evo Morales nationalized uh, gas sector in uh, or oil sector in 2006 we had the greatest luck uh, we could have have because of high prices but now that we have the uh, second uh, second wave of high prices we are not benefiting because because of the the whole oil sector is just destroyed we didn't invest uh, in in the sector we didn't explore to find uh, any more uh, gas uh, reserves. So we're paying a high price uh, and we are going to pay even higher prices uh, for not having uh, what Brazil and Argentina want, uh, want from us, which is uh, natural resources and ex explicitly uh, natural gas, of course. And we are trying to find a way to replace oil exports uh, and gas exports uh, with lithium. Let's see what happens. I, I would believe we are going to um, work on that many decades from now. And one of, the, one of the big tensions I see is that you've said that about 80% of GDP or uh, the economy in Bolivia is off the books or informal. But of course, as you said, you can't just do major infrastructure or natural resource extraction informally that's not going to cut it so most people are just basically dodging state regulations or bureaucracies while the people who want to do the real heavy lifting are just you know taken to the cleaners so what is the trajectory there are more people trying to get out of the informal economy or is it we just stuck in this this kind of rut or standoff no uh, black market have been uh, uh, growing because of you said it all Come on, we've been uh, seeing the, our black market growing so rapidly because we have so many taxes. We have so high taxes uh, uh, right now, as an example. We have so many regulations on the labor market. We, have, uh, we don't have a guarantees for uh, the respect of uh, uh, individual liberties or private property. And big oil companies have been uh, uh, leaving the country behind because there is no guarantee, absolutely none, to see in the long term, in the long run, what is going to be with this country. So uh, people are just trying to, yeah, they are dodging 
these uh, these problems and uh, they are trying to defend themselves in the black market that's the whole idea that's the whole point so maybe looking forward uh, with what's going on with the with our economy maybe we are going to see maybe i don't know a 90% black market in in, in our economy also oh, the trend is actually for more black market not less yeah we because we are going to live a crisis an economic crisis very soon it's just going to explode anytime, maybe by the end of the year or or the next one. Let's see what's going, what's going, what is going to happen in in the pensions uh, reform, in the, our private pensions reform, and let's see what happens there. But we are going to have a crisis, and they are just going to keep raising taxes. Yeah, beating a dead horse. Yeah. So, what's the next crisis? What is what are you referring to? The thing is that. Uh, we we have so low reserves in the central bank in our central bank that we are not going to be able to sustain our fixed uh, current rate uh, anymore. We have a fixed uh, exchange rate by eleven or even twelve years right now, and we don't have reserve because because. So there's going to be a currency crisis in the near future. Yeah, in the near future, because we don't have uh, uh, dollars. We have dollars, right? We need dollars right now in the system, in the financial banking system, to support a fictitious level. Our, our economy is just fictitious, and we are not seeing it uh, uh, right now. We are going to have very big problems. Very in, uh, that is, we are going to have a, a very in, uh, intense crisis uh, right now, and, and it's going to be... Uh, from the banking and, and financial sector, a sector that, that the government is uh, is been saying for years that is uh, very strong, and that is not true. Now, is there any prospect or likelihood of a decentralization? Let's say after this crisis, more regionalism develops. Right, you you live near Santa Cruz, and is it the case that you can have more? decentralized provincial or state-based government in Bolivia? Because my sense is that I, in terms of personal identity, Bolivians very much identify with their local area and not so much the nation. Is that true? Well, not exactly. The thing is that since, uh, again, Evo Morales and the new constitution, the plurinational state, they said we have many nations here in Bolivia. And that is absolutely not true. Okay. So the thing is that since then, since our new constitution, they have been trying to put people against them, uh, one region against another, and uh, I don't know. And Santa Cruz has become in a city where people has been trying to um, defend themselves from the government, from what the central government government has been doing, like raising taxes or or even uh, um, uh, running behind the politicians or even uh, high, uh, be, very big businessmen. So they've been going to Santa, Santa Cruz to live, but Santa Cruz is trying to protect itself from central government. And they are trying to, I don't know if, if, if they are looking for uh, to be independent from Bolivia, but this is, I think, Evo Morales and his people has, has been trying to do since they took power in 2005 or 2006 we didn't have so such an intense problem between a region and the central government 
since then. Before, we didn't have uh, that problem. Santa Cruz was another uh, little city that, that was trying to, to grow. Now is the biggest economy in, in the country and uh, where you can uh, invest. The only place in Bolivia you can invest uh, without central government uh, looking behind you all the time is Santa Cruz. Okay, so basically you're saying that that, that perception, outside perception of this plurinational state or regional regional uh, confrontation is more modern development of the central government playing provinces against each other. It's almost like a self-defense mechanism. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, in our history, we've been having a confrontation, I don't know, like in, in the U.S., the, the West Coast and the East Coast, but it doesn't mean anything exactly. It doesn't used to mean anything exactly. Now, we have a problem between Cambas and Collas. Cambas are uh, people from Santa Cruz and Collas are people from the west of the country. So they have been trying to divide us in that way. So if you divide the people, you don't care. Now you can have the power all, all the time. You can have it. They're distracted. So you, you're not that excited about the idea of some sort of decentralization or I think secession is too much to ask perhaps, but I move in that direction. Of course, I endorse uh, secession everywhere, anyway. Anywhere, right. Yes, exactly. But I believe there are many ways Santa Cruz can become uh, the next, maybe the next Panama of the region, because they have the potential. The only thing they have to be uh, watching is how people think about uh, governments, even Santa Cruz's uh, government allocates the resources, they are used to give so much power to, the, to their government that uh, they don't see that if you don't uh, let them, uh, if you don't give them such so much power, you can then become the next Panama. Economic freedom, they don't know exactly what economic freedom in practical terms uh, means. So it would have to, we would need to Tell people in Santa Cruz what economic freedom really means in practical terms, not in political terms, not in uh, not even in theoretical terms. But in, in the, their own personal values, like you said, respecting private property, honoring that. Yes, exactly. I, I, I said I already said that they have the potential, but they have to work uh, so much more on, on those values. And do you want to correct? So, what do you think international media gets wrong about Bolivia? Do you follow English language international coverage of Bolivia? Yes, I do. Uh, I believe that international media now, uh, I don't know how to say it. Maybe Bolivia doesn't have the good image it used to have when Evo Morales uh, was in government. Uh, even in the last years of Evo Morales in power, now Bolivia is not the Bolivia international media used to see uh, when Evo Morales was using power. The, the Bolivia used to be this darling of the left, maybe. Is that what you're trying to get at? Get at, get at? Yeah, 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 exactly. Not anymore right now. They're trying to see what is going on with Bolivia, what is going to happen with our new president, Luis Arce. And uh, they're trying to see if effectively we had an economic boom and how sustainable it is. Uh, so we are going to see many surprises here that are going to surprise many international media, many international journalists, uh, economic journalists, and uh, it's going to be so interesting. But right now, the image in Bolivia, uh, in, in international media, 
is not so good as it used to be when we had uh, so high uh, international prices, oil prices. So the implosion is already underway. Yes, exactly. That, that was uh, I've been trying to say. Sure. And what about international policymakers? Because right now, Bolivia is still a part of ALBA. And you said this, the Andean or Andean community, I'm not sure how you would translate it, the Comunidad Andina. And how can American policymakers, what should they think of Bolivia? Is this just Bolivia a write-off that there's no real potential for free trade agreements or any kind of collaboration? We should be looking for uh, many agreements we, we can establish because uh, uh, even with a, a dictatorship like is, is China right now, you, you have to try to establish uh, maybe uh, commercial agreements. That's a good, that would be a good starting point. And uh, maybe the U.S. can try to reestablish many, uh, uh, many agreements we have in the past. Maybe we can have better What all is basically curtailed what were past agreements? Yeah, we have the uh, uh, an, a specific agreement with the U.S. called the ATPDA. The thing is that as uh, as long Bolivia wouldn't produce cocaine or make a guarantee we wouldn't produce uh, cocaine, we would have the opportunity to sell our products to the U.S. at uh, lower prices. That was the agreement. And then came Evo Morales, and of course, everything went down. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the assertion from him and his, I guess, colleagues was that that cocaine production was just a part of Bolivian cultural history and to ban it just wouldn't work. Is is that correct? Not exactly. Uh, it's not part of our, our culture. That That's what uh, Evo Morales uh, uh, have been saying all his career, uh, but it's, it's not part of our, uh, of our culture. That coca leaves... They don't use it for anything that uh, is just a precursor and uh, just a, a religious thing for many people, but it's not necessarily part of our, of our culture. In Santa Cruz, they don't consume it. In, uh, they just consume it uh, in, in, in the west of the country. So it's a, it's a very small or benign presence in the country in terms of the actual local consumption or use. Yes, exactly. Evo Morales has been trying to say that uh, for about 500 years, uh, the Spanish people took uh, our, cult uh, our culture uh, over and uh, they are just trying to um, uh, get it back from starting with the coca leaves. But we already know, of course, that coca leaves uh, are just uh, precursors for uh, cocaine production. Right. Okay, mate. Now, I want to, I'm trying to finish on a high point. You're going to give an economic briefing soon? Yes, exactly. Yeah. What do, are, you, are you offering opportunities where you see there actually is potential for growth and investment? Yes, exactly. That is what I do all the time. Well, let's say this. Uh, I am not optimistic about what is going on with the economy in Bolivia, but maybe in, uh, in a couple of years, is going to be there is going to be a very big opportunity to invest in Bolivia. Maybe, 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 just maybe. Uh, let's see what happens with this government and Luis Arce and, and, and soon economic crisis, to, soon to become economic crisis. And then maybe if uh, we have our institutions, if we can guarantee private property here, it would be the best time of the best opportunity to invest in Bolivia. 
because you can just invest uh, in countries when there is blood in the streets. Exactly. We are going to see blood in the streets in Bolivia maybe in a couple of years because of our economic crisis. And uh, let's see what happens. So we can start working from now on to see if there's a, a really an opportunity or not in Bolivia in the long run. So right now you, you feel like it's almost a, the calm before the storm. Yes, exactly. Okay, we'll leave on that note. CrusoeResearch.com is the website. We've been speaking with Mauricio Rios Garcia. He is in Cochabamba, Bolivia, and a macroeconomic analyst. It's a pleasure to meet you, and uh, I look forward to being in touch in the future, mate. Thanks for your uh, insights today. No, thank you.